0: Welcome to Loving the Christ Life. I'm Brad Wilson, and as our dear Warren Litzman used to say, it's broadcast time again. Thank you for being with us today. We are continuing this great series from Warren on Jesus and Paul. It's so great, and we're happy you can be a part of it. Let's get right into it. Here's part 12. Here's Warren.
1: Take your Bibles and return to Romans 16 and 25. We're ready to deal with the last line of this verse of scripture. It simply says, which was kept secret since the world begun. We have talked all along this week about the gospel that came before the foundation of the world. The revelation of this great mystery was kept secret by God before, from before the foundation of the world and was not made known until the latter days, particularly when Paul received his revelation that Christ was in him. It is very obvious from the scriptures that without revelation knowledge you cannot possibly understand how a gospel that was given created, spoken of, before the foundation of the world could finally come into effect with human beings that are on earth. The very idea of it promotes what we call revelation knowledge. Essentially, what revelation knowledge is, it is a moving from third-dimensional thinking to fourth-dimensional The whole plan of God for the born again, and especially for the Gentiles, was to move them from the earthly to the heavenly sphere. Israel never entered into that sphere. From the call of Abraham to the Messiah sitting on the throne in Jerusalem in the millennium, Israel is an earthly people. She's third dimensional. But when the gospel went to the Gentiles, the ultimate truth of that gospel was that they would be a heavenly people, no longer earthly. First two or three chapters of Ephesians bears this out, I think, four or five times. We have Paul referring to the fact that our blessings are heavenly, we are a heavenly people, we are seated with Christ in heavenly places. The Gentile was never intended to be an earthly people once Christ died on the cross. Their estate, their position, all in Christ is a spiritual position seated with Christ in heavenly places. So what revelation knowledge does is move us from the sphere of the earthly to the heavenly. It moves us from what we call third dimension, which is made up of time, space, and matter, to fourth dimension, which is a spirit dimension. Of course, the greatest problem any believer has as he grows in the Lord is the understanding and the contrasting between the two dimensions. So much of our life is wrapped up in third-dimensional activities. You get up, you go to work, you earn your money, you do things, you keep things operating and so forth, third-dimensional living. But your task as a born-again believer is to take that third-dimensional living and operate it from a spiritual perception. In other words, the believer comes to the place that he's not getting up in the morning just to go to work, in third dimensional thinking the believer gets up in the morning as a Christ person and it's Christ going to work it's not you going out to fix the automobile mechanically you move that third dimensional job into fourth dimension for you think this is Christ is me that's gonna fix this automobile In all relationships, it's that. When you deal with people, most of our dealings are third-dimensional, at the store, the uh, gas station, uh, on the job. You finally, in revelation knowledge, are moved from, I'm on the job, I'm talking to you, I'm dealing with this problem, to, it is Christ as me in order to have this revelation knowledge, you've got to have some help from the Holy Spirit. You can't do it on your own. This is why modern religion has never seen the in Christ message. This is why theologians, when they read the Bible, have no concept of revelation knowledge, don't even believe in it, most don't. And so they never see what it is God is doing to human beings. You start with rightly dividing the truth. Israel, an earthly people. The born again, a heavenly people. And when these concepts and these ideas begin to take hold of you, the Holy Spirit fosters in you a whole new basis for knowledge. Revelation is not just God's speaking to you like a flash and say do this do that revelation is an exchange of knowledge it's a literal exchange because when you came into the world you had an erroneous knowledge and the longer you lived, the more you made that erroneous knowledge a truth to you fit into your personal identification what was that knowledge the knowledge of good and evil So what made you have a special identification with that that made you have an identity was that you tried all your life to do good and not to do bad. That's essential in a human being, especially without Christ in him. But with Christ in you and no exchange of knowledge, that knowledge still operates. To be honest with you, the kingdom message we hear so much today is based on the fact Christians be good, don't be bad. That's third-dimensional knowledge. That's knowledge that has not been elevated into fourth dimension, which is spirit. Our whole walk in the Lord is determined by how our mind assimilates the truth of the scriptures, if we keep them all in third dimension, if all we want is an outer thing, if outer things are most important to us, then we never get a concept of third dimensional living or fourth dimensional living. This is the most evident thing about Jesus of Nazareth in his ministry. His ministry was purely outward. He healed the sick. He cast out devils. He raised the dead. He did the marvelous things that fit third dimensional living, things which he had to do because he was there to restore the kingdom that centered in those things. He was there to straighten out the third dimension. Third dimension was was, uh, depraved. It was warped. It needed to be straightened out because Adam had brought it about. The second last Adam had come to straighten out the first Adam's problems. These were all third dimensional. But from the beginning, God knew that he was going to have a people who would enter into another dimension of living. That's the last line of our text, which was kept secret since the world began. To enter into that secret place with God requires revelation knowledge. Now, you would think that God had made it an impossible thing. You would think it's like some Far Eastern cults or religions where it seems almost impossible to get a hold of it. You had to work so hard, and uh, yogi or whatever it is they call it, whatever the cult is, you have to work awful hard to figure it all out. But God gave us the means by which it would work. God is a trinity. God has manifested himself in three distinctive ways. In order to get the people that he wanted to come and live in his house, he manifested himself as God the Father, as the one who would give us the new life, God the Son, and essentially the one who would tell us something, God the Holy Spirit. So let's look at it like this, there is a thing in God that wants to be Father, that's why he had Lucifer over his household. That's why he created Adam. That's why Jesus, or why God, called Israel. He wanted to be a father. He never was a father in any of these things, and couldn't be, because you can't be a father till you birth a child. You can be a husband, but you can't be a father. And so Jesus was the means of life. But if God is going to birth his own children, it'll be so supernatural, so miraculous, so far out of this world the way he would do it, that it would require revelation knowledge to understand how it takes place. The first inception of this was when Jesus met Nicodemus. Jesus said to him, Uh, you must be born again. If you're not born again, Jesus said you can't see the things of God. Now see, this is way out of line for Christ's message. This is something John records that nobody else says anything about. It's way out of line to the kingdom message. So it says, Nicodemus, you can't even see the kingdom. See, what is he doing? He was moving from third dimension to fourth dimension, and then he said, You can't enter the kingdom unless you be rebirthed. You must be born again. And so with that began the introduction of revelation knowledge into the plan of God. But God had already instituted it right out of his holiness, out of the Godhead, out of the Trinity, before the foundation of the world. I see it like this we already know that God had it in his mind to put Christ in the creature, chosen in Christ before the foundation of the world. God is all wise. He knew that the creature he would make would have to be a special creature for a special purpose. He couldn't make them all Einstein. He couldn't make them all Voltaire or some great sociologist or psychologist, or wise person. He was going to make them all different so that the level of understanding could always be risen to or you could fall from it. He made everybody differently. He did this because what was in him was a desire to receive love. So what the creation of the human being is is a Creature who is made to love, they're made to love because God is love and that's what he wants. But when God decided to put Christ in the creature, he knew that creature, however smart or however dumb they were, could never understand that or figure it out. Now, he had created us and put us in a third dimension where husbands and wives cohabitate and produce a child. So they would all understand that. They would know that. And he fixed the human uh, race so that it would learn what love is, compatibility, getting along with each other, relationships. God fixed all that. He fixed it so it was possible for us to be good or bad right or wrong. Remember, his objective is love, and all of this was necessary because love is a choice. True love is a choice. Godly love is a choice. And so he fixed us so we could make choices. That we was. That we did. But when he put Christ in us before the foundation of the world, God knew we'd never figure that out on our own because that would be contrary to the way we did things. Husbands and wives cohabitate. A male seed put into a female egg, and there comes another human being. How can that human being already created be rebirthed? Now we're beyond third dimension. How could he get another person in a creature who already had personhood? How could he get another life in a creature who thought they were already alive? How could he do this? Well, there was a part of him that said, I can't just throw that at them. I can't just drop that on them. I'm going to have to explain that to them. There was a part in God that, that said, I want to tell you about this. I want to explain it to you. It was like it was acute to God that he would have failed us if he didn't explain to us how he was going to do this, how he was going to put his own seed in us and create another person in a creature that was already created, already alive. How would he work that out? How would the new birth come about? that thing in him that said, I want to tell them, I want to explain that to them. I want them to know that thing was the Holy Spirit, what we call the Holy Spirit. He would be that part of God who would come to us and tell us when we were born again that another person lived in us. The Holy Spirit would be the one who would come to this natural creature created in the image and likeness of God, Adamic by race, already alive, already living, already with their life, already with an identity. The Holy Spirit would come and tell them once you are saved, born again, you are another person to God. And I've come to tell you who that person is. That's what revelation knowledge is. That work of the Holy Spirit would be inward. From Adam to the day of Pentecost, the work of the Holy Spirit was outer. How many times in the Old Testament it said the Spirit of the Lord came upon them? How many times Ezekiel said, by the Spirit of the Lord, common, ordinary, plainly written in the Old Testament, he only worked outer. He was an outer effect of God. Now people like that, we really love for the Spirit to come upon us. We like what Joel said, In the last days, saith the Lord, I'll pour out my spirit on flesh. Because we get tired, disgusted, mad, and unhappy with our flesh. And when the Holy Spirit moves in an outer way, we just feel so good, we shout and holler and jump up and down and do all sorts of things. But you see, a great thing happened on the day of Pentecost. because on the day of Pentecost, the Holy Spirit's ministry was going to radically change. His outer works would become secondary. So the scripture says they were filled with the Holy Spirit. Well, we thought that's like filling up a cup. It flows over, and here we are shouting and hollering again. What it really meant was... The Holy Spirit for the first time had come to take an inward position in the human being. That his greater manifestation would not be outer, it would be inner. That idea is probably behind 1 Corinthians 13 when Paul said that we're going to move from men's ministries into the more perfect, that which is perfect that's come. What was that which is perfect that had come? The Holy Spirit's revelation knowledge that another was in us. So, worked out like this Body, soul, and spirit. When you are rebirthed. Rebirth is a thing of the Spirit. Your natural birthing is a thing of your natural, but rebirth is a thing of the Spirit. It is Christ joined to your spirit which makes you perfect to God, presentable to God, makes you God's child. Religion has never let Christ be the life of the believer, though we're called Christians. One reason for that is they don't know a whole lot about Christ being in the human being. So what religion has taught is that the Holy Spirit came and he became our spirit, our life, representing Jesus. There is no place in the scripture this is said. What happened when the Holy Spirit came was that he fulfilled the need of God to work in our mind. The history of the Holy Spirit has been intolerable in God's plan. The very prediction of the Holy Spirit to come was spoken of by Jesus a couple of times. He made this sort of statement that you can do what you want to do with me, But he said, you be careful what you do with the Holy Spirit. That's where he put a curse more or less on Israel was over how they would treat the Holy Spirit. Why? Why did he protect the Holy Spirit so greatly? Because if human beings did not understand the work of the Holy Spirit, they would never know Christ lived in them. whereas the church today still got the outer works of the Holy Spirit predominant. That's what we'd like. That's the God we know. That's the blessing of the Lord. So the movement from third dimension living to fourth dimension relied upon the Holy Spirit. On the day of Pentecost, what happened? They were filled with the Holy Spirit. Where did He come to? He came to the soul. What is His responsibility? Jesus said it seven times. His responsibility was to teach them Christ. That was
0: Anna. Well, our time is up. We'll stop right here, but pick up next week on this great series on Jesus and Paul from Warren Litzman. Now, let me remind you to go to our bookstore at our website. First, get to the website, christ-life.org, read all about us, and then hit that bookstore tab. You'll find a lot of material that Warren left behind, but one of the most important books is what we're into right now. It's about Paul. It's a fantastic book. You need to get it for yourself and for your friends. Check it out, Christ-Life.org. Our thanks to Robbie Litzman for allowing us to go into the archives each week. Valerie Hill does our Twitter account. Tammy Laycock does the weekly podcast notes. And our program is produced weekly by Teresa Ferraro from the Christ Life Fellowship. Until next time, I'm Brad Wilson, loving the Christ. Life.